Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and thanks for hanging out with us today. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here with this week's edition of Project Redemption. And let me just say, we're going off script again this week because we are in North Carolina. I'm here with my friend Maureen Miller, who is just one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And so I wanted to bring her on this week since we are at the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference. That's where we first, well, that's not where we first met. We first met at the Right to Publish Conference. But since then, every time we see each other, it's always at this conference Mm -hmm. in the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. It's just such a lovely area. But we wanted to take this opportunity of being together to come to you during the podcast and just let you soak in some amazing God stories of just God's goodness and faithfulness in Maureen's life. So welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yes. So you can check out her bio down below. And uh, I just want to say, we're just going to have a conversation for the next little while Mm -hmm. about how God has worked in Maureen's life, which is just going to be such an encouragement. I know every time she tells me, these stories, other stories, I'm always just so filled up with encouragement because, you know, there is so much in our world today that is just hard. And if we don't recognize God working in the, our lives and in the lives of those we love, we're going to be really hurting. And there's just too much of that right now going on. So, I want you to be encouraged today as you hear Maureen's stories and uh, just savor the richness of God's goodness in her life. So let's start with how God, I mean, God woos us and we go through different phases of coming to know him. Mm -hmm. But what was the game changing experience that God came to you and just drew you in with? Well, I was, I was blessed to be raised in a godly home, and I came to Christ when I was a little girl, I think probably at the age of four, raised in Sunday school, just wonderful mom and dad, and walked with Jesus through my teenage years for the most part with, you know, faults and sinful choices. But in my high school years, I, I kind of made some choices that continued to make me feel more and more like my sin was separating me from my father. He wasn't leaving me. It was just the sin and and fleeing. You know, we flee from God when we're trying to hide. And I think that's kind of what happened for a spell. And during that, that course of time, I had this recurring kind of vision where I would go to a window in my mind and I would stand on tiptoe and look in at what I saw as life going on inside a building And I always just felt like I was alone and on the outside looking in. And I kind of did that throughout the years into my young adulthood. I got married when I was 19 to my now husband of almost 34 years, Bill. And um, we'd only been married a couple years. And I just began to understand and feel that I was was at rock bottom and I was either going to drown or the Lord was going to rescue me. And 
So I began to really implement some practices that my mom had instilled in me when I was a child, which was just to, I didn't really do it when I was younger because I thought it sounded silly, but to really be still in his presence mm. and to spend time in his word. And I began to really just apply those things with my Bible open and time with my journal and the Lord. And um, this one particular morning, as I had begun to do this, and especially just reading a lot of promises, scripture promises of his his faithfulness to us and his love for us, I've heard the Lord say to me in my in my mind, return to the window. And that seemed like such, it seemed in the moment, like how could God call me back to this place of pain? Because that's what it always was equated to me. Mm -hmm. But I trusted him enough at that point to, to do what he was calling me to do. And so I returned to that window in my mind. Once again, I was a little girl standing on tiptoe, looking in at what I considered normalcy. And just felt that kind of that resurgence of loneliness. But then I heard him say, turn around. And it was when I turned around from that image that I saw the beauty of the freedom that comes in Christ. And it really came in a tangible way with all the things that I already loved, which was farmland, green rolling hills and blue skies with fluffy white clouds and butterflies. Much like I live now in a beautiful landscape of North Carolina. And where we are on the front porch of that property with the rolling hills and the lake and the willow trees and the beauty. So yeah. to, to be here and see this yeah. is cool. It's really beautiful how God did that. And in that moment when I heard him say, take your eyes off of others and look to me, focus on me and let me offer you the freedom that you have been called to. I experienced for the first time that literal and figuratively and literally that turning around. And it was a mm. new place for me in my relationship with Christ. It started a whole new journey of sanctification, which is that just that working of him in my life. And one just little caveat of that is there were butterflies, as I mentioned, and I saw myself running with a net chasing butterflies. And it was years later that he really brought an understanding to what that little part of the vision was, because to me that People chase butterflies to collect them and pin them to a board and that's never in my character to take a beautiful butterfly and and save it for um, a collection but he told me that it's in the chasing of butterflies capturing them with a the net that my words that he gave me um, to speak and to write um, were the things that he would use for me to help others find freedom in Christ. Mm. And so the cap capturing them with a net was just capturing them with words, whether spoken or written, to then set them free to a greater purpose. Again, it's all Jesus, but that was just a very specific word he spoke into my life, and that was the turning point for me. Mm. And you know, the one thing as I hear this story and I sense that vision that you had, or you know, as you in your mind saw yourself on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. I think most women can resonate with that because that is a that is a common feeling, uh fear, mm -hmm. fear of missing out, fear of I'm I'm not seen or heard and mm -hmm. I'm I'm out here and where things are really happening is in in this other mm -hmm. place where I'm not. Yeah. And how I love that God would use that mm -hmm. experience in your life and have you realize that by turning around and looking to him, that took care of that loneliness, yes. that, that lie of the enemy mm -hmm. 
who was saying, you're on the outside looking in, you don't deserve to be in there. And for him to just simply just turn around and look at me, <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. that is just such a felt need with so many women. Some of you listening today or watching today may have felt that in the past and how, what a tangible way for God to set you free yes. from that lie. Yes. And get you to put your eyes on him. Yep. And then to then further use that for things I had no idea as at that point planning to be a, an elementary school teacher and yes, offering words to children, but that he would even bring me to a place where I could use words in other ways as well to help others find that freedom. Absolutely. The written word and the spoken word, which you, I mean, your voice, when you write, your voice is just so, I don't know how to describe it other than melodic. Mm. And it, it just, wow. sweet. Thank you. Okay, so we all go through times in our lives where we struggle, where we have hard times, where God, either he's testing us, he's allowing things to come into our life mm -hmm. to sanctify us, to refine us. But those times, inevitably, God will bring good out of it. Mm -hmm. He'll use it for good. That doesn't mean the situation is good, but God is so good. He brings good out of it. And I'm sure we could probably talk for the into the evening about different times God has done that in your life. Mm -hmm. But I would love for you to share with our listeners just whichever moment in your life where you really saw God take a hard thing and turn and bring good out of it. Well, it's always a, a joy to reflect on the goodness of God and those stones of remembrance in our lives. And I, I do have a lot of those because God is so good and faithful. But I think the one that, that I, that I would love to share has to do with, um, as I just mentioned, when I was in my early twenties, not married very long, um, the Lord did this wonderful work in my life that caused me to take my eyes off myself and others and put them on him. And it really became my focus on him that got me through the storm that he knew, I didn't know, but he knew it was coming. And that has to do with my love for and my desire for children who I just, from the time I was a little girl, wanted to raise lots of kids and just mm -hmm. be a mom. And then not long after the situation and the, the experience, I just shared with you, um, we learned, my husband and I, that void of miracle, we would never have children biologically. And so that was just such a difficult place for me. Um, but I had be begun to learn how to pray with my hands, not clenching the dream for children, but really open up and open to him to release the dream to him, asking him, you know, you're bigger than this. So if kids are not what you have for me, then you can take that dream away and replace it with your best. And if children are what you have for me, then you can bring them to me. It doesn't matter what the doctors say or what my body's telling me, you can do that in your own perfect way. And so I began to pray that way. And one morning in early 1992, I believe, I saw in my mind as I was kind of in that waking up state from sleep of a rainbow. And I remember just saying, and I journaled this out, Lord, why, why a rainbow? And the Lord said, because a promise will be fulfilled. And I knew immediately that that was his answer to my question, will I ever be a mom? Mm -hmm. I didn't know how or when that would happen. And so that began the journey of really just pressing in, not praying anymore for children, but just praising him for the ones he would bring me at some point. 
and claiming that promise and living that out. And he began through the years that followed to really show me rainbows in unique ways in the sky, on television, on billboards, just the way God does. Yeah. But he also began to use, and I just, this is so amazing, but he began to use 512. I would wake up in the morning and 512 would be on my digital clock. I would look on the television and there'd be like something that would have the date 512. And I would journal and chronicle these, these things out. And the years went by and I just kept believing there's something significant about May 12th. And it was um, in May of 1996, Mother's Day that year happened to be on May 12th. And I had been asked as part of the praise and worship team to offer the Mother's Day prayer. And I'm like, if you only knew, like I'm not a mother and not only that, but I have a lot of pain on this day. But the Lord showed me that I could pray for um, other women who struggled and other mm -hmm. women who felt lost on that day for various reasons. And so I was able to pray with an empathy that really was the Lord speaking through me to minister to hurting moms and those who might want to be a mom. And so that day was a Sunday, May 12th, Mother's Day. A couple weeks later, I was having my quiet time and my husband and I were preparing to make a move from where we were living in Lexington, Kentucky to Greenville, South Carolina for his work. And I was having my quiet time and the Lord led me to a passage in scripture. Um, I believe it's Genesis 18, but it's where the three visitors come to visit Abraham and Sarah. And I think they were Abram and Sarai at that time still. And the visitor said to Abram, by this time next year, Sarah will give you a son. And so I just began to believe that God was saying that in a year I would either be pregnant with or I would give my husband a child. And I began to walk out the next year. We went, we moved. I settled into a job teaching third graders and believed, believed, believed that that promise would, would be fulfilled. And May 12th of 1997 came and went. We had no child. I was not pregnant. And I had no idea what that meant, but I knew I trusted our good God. And so we finished out that year. I continued to just proclaim that God had a reason for that. And I would continue to wait and see we had decided that we would wait throughout the rest of the year 1997 and in early 1998 we would pursue adoption and so um, i believe that new year's day was on a thursday that year and so on that friday i didn't waste any time january 2nd i went to visit a woman who had a, an adoption ministry in greenville called the special link and we sat down and through a couple hours she shared her story i shared our story and she began to explain to me how to get the ball rolling to where i could we could create birth mother's letters to put out there. We began to put together these portfolios. And um, it was a couple weeks later after we had sent out these portfolios with letters that we each wrote to a prospective birth mother and pictures of our family that were sent out to attorneys that we got a call from our friend who had this adoption ministry. And she said, there's a young woman in South, uh, the University of South Carolina who is She's she's pregnant, but she's not just early pregnant. Like she's due in just a couple like weeks. And she wow. has looked at your portfolio and she would love to meet you. And so Bill and I met with her on a Friday evening. Sweet, shy, Cindy was her name, is her name. And we sat down at the table and before the evening was over, we'd signed adoption papers for her unborn baby who was due in early February. And so all this happened within a month's time. Um, and he was our son, Dorian Samuel, whose name means gracious God, a gift of God for whom we prayed, was born on February 3rd. And it wasn't but several weeks later when I was just sitting down and talking to his birth mother, who I continue to have an ongoing relationship with, 
Um, she shared with me that he was conceived on May 12th of 1997 which just was so sweet of the Lord because it shows not only his love for us and that he saw this journey and he saw our hearts, but he also values the unborn. And so he saw that unborn baby being conceived. And so my son was literally given to us exactly wow. what he said. And Cindy's last name, ironically, is Abrams, which is the name of Abraham. So it wasn't me giving my husband a child. It was someone else giving us her child. Oh beautiful just beautiful way of god just showing up and just showing us that he's always in control yeah and just that that sweet of a just the sweetness of that <laughs> how god did that that was painful yes. for you to not for you to think that you wouldn't be able to be a mom right. for that to be that painful mother's day but for God to be on that Mother's Day giving you a child. Oh my gosh. It just shows what we know that God works all things together for good for them who love him. Yes. And are called according to his purposes. And he does that, Romans 8, 28, so that, verse 29, we will be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Yes. And... <laughs> Oh, that is so good. Yeah. I love that story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. And well, I will just say that we have we have three adopted children. We've had two losses and adopted children, too. So there's still, but even then, God has shown me very tangibly that I am good in all circumstances. So mm. it's beautiful the way he works it out and teaches us through pain and just redeems all of it for his glory and our good. Well, and he knows that, you know, when we're on the mountaintop and things are going great, that does not refine us. We don't lean into him like we do when there's pain involved. And, you know, the I've heard some pretty painful stories of failed adoptions, all sorts of different outcomes that are mm -hmm. not what we hope for in adoption. And so that's it's a risky business yeah. to, to say, okay, God, I'm willing to walk this road yeah. to be a mom, but knowing that that could come with some real challenge mm -hmm. and just so good that God will take even the most painful situations like that. And just, it's like a little kiss on the cheek, yeah. him letting you know, mm -hmm. I got this. Mm -hmm. I was not sitting up in heaven going, what? <laughs> she can't have a baby. How did I miss that? No. <laughs> no. He knew exactly yeah. how it was going to go. And just the sweetness of you being willing to just hold that dream like mm -hmm. that. I love <laughs> redemption stories. Yeah. Do you not? Oh, love them. Yes. Love them. Thank well, thank you, you so much thank for you. being with us today, my friend. Mm. Thank what you. What a delight. All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye for now. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Project Redemption Podcast, where we hear real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold, brought to you by Redemption Press and Romans 828 Books and Gifts. We'd love to have you review and follow this podcast, share it with friends and family, and help us get the word out on your preferred digital platform. So again, thanks for joining me today, and I'll look forward to being with you again next week 
for another episode of Project Redemption, Real Life Stories, Redeemed, Restored, Retold.